For our message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Steve Andrews entitled, Evidence of Things Not Seen. Mr. Andrews. How many of us believe in things not seen? Should be the whole room. These lights that we have up here, how do they get on? By something we can't even see. <laughs> hey, we can feel it. You want to. <laughs> it's a little bit shocking. But you can feel the lights. But you can't see those little things going around inside of that wire. It's unseen. So we have evidence of something not seen. How many have one of these things? <laughs> Probably everybody in this room has one of these things. Can you see? I mean, we got a modem in here and it's sending information to this thing if we want to get on it and get Wi-Fi. Or we got these signals coming in. How many signals are coming into this building right now that we cannot see? You turn on this thing and all of a sudden you, you can dial into the news, you can dial into this, you can dial into that. You can find out all kinds of things. You can go over all over the world. And <laughs> when I was a kid, we had this little clunky phone. You picked it up and you dial. Well, I didn't go all the way back to where you had to, you know, pick up the thing and with the earpiece and that deal. Yeah, <laughs> or click on it and and <laughs> or, or crank it. I didn't go. I don't go back quite that far back. Maybe. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> Sometimes I, I feel like I'm, I'm not old, but I don't go that far back. But it's amazing how many things in this modern society that we have that are so invisible, so totally and completely invisible. What about the air we breathe? <laughs> Do you realize that if you didn't have the right combination of oxygen, nitrogen, and a few of those other little things, that you would just collapse and die. I remember one time I was working in my job, and somebody, we have this little room in which there's a nitrogen bottle, and somebody had left the nitrogen bottle, well, probably it was me, <laughs> we won't talk about that, left the nitrogen bottle on, and it was actually seeping nitrogen into the room. And it was a good thing that somebody caught that, because if somebody got in that room and the door was closed or something, they would collapse and they would die. Because once you remove the oxygen out of that nitrogen, oxygen balance, you can't breathe it. So, interesting that we believe in, and to me it's interesting that the whole world doesn't believe in what we're going to talk about today. In the God that created all of this. Created things. And even the even though we've got this and man made it, where did it come from? <laughs> it come out of the ground, didn't it? They had to dig it up. They had to manufacture it. They had to put it in this. Yeah, well, men did a quite a bit of work. But as I said, without the dirt, you ain't going to have it. And who made the dirt? <laughs> God. God made the dirt. Yes. That old uh, joke. Hebrews 11 in 
I was thinking about what to do for the after the Bible study, which I really very much appreciated Matt's work on that and and I can't find Hebrew, so maybe we'll go anywhere else. Anyway, you're very familiar with these scriptures that I'm going to bring out today. Extremely familiar with them. But in the context of, of faith, in the context of thinking about having an invisible God and having faith in that invisible God, why is it so difficult? Why are there so many atheists in the world? Why are there so many people that don't believe there is a God? When we have so much in this modern society. Well, it's because they don't want to be obedient to God. Now, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When you really look at the world that we live in, there's so much evidence so much evidence, so it should increase our faith, not decrease. It should increase our faith. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. They believed. Though, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. He took nothing. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain this because it's beyond the human comprehension of a being that can take something out of nothing and build it into what we live on, what we live on. And, you, and down through the ages, man has read these words over and over again, and they have, they have known this book. Sometimes it's been su suppressed. I mean, there was the Dark Ages. They called it the Dark Ages because they suppressed the understanding of this book. When that was opened, people began to read, wow, we had a God that created us. And all this information that is in this book began to be dissimulated. They began to learn certain things about the world that they live in because God put it in this book. To be understood. And without this book, men would still be kind of groping around in the dark. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And you look, it's hard to find a place in this particular part of the country to look at the heavens. Look at the heavens. Um, Psalm 19, just real quickly, I want to read that. It's so beautiful. And verse 1, it's all, all I want to read, just one, one verse, because it is so true. Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. We're all very familiar with this scripture. And when we go out at night, if we can find the spot that has very little light, and there's very few places where man hasn't built a whole bunch of lights because once we discovered electricity wow we can we can put lights everywhere even out in the streets so that we can't see the firmament we can't see the heavens but if you could go to that you would be unbelievably amazed at how filled the heavens are with the stars because god 
has created it for us to be strengthened. Because he, he loves his creation. He loves his creation. In, Gen in Genesis, the second chapter, in verse 7, he also is a creator of you and I. You and I. In verse 7, he says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. I talk about this a little bit more in a little bit because it when that was written that's you know that's all you understood a life it was living but you don't understand the complexity but we understand the complexity of life today don't we we understand how complex life really is and if you really want to study and really get into depth into the complexity of what God created on that day when he bent down and he created Adam. It is, un I mean, it just blows your mind how fantastic we are, how wonderful we are. In one, <laughs> just a little bit over again, in verse 27 of chapter 1, And God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him. Male and female created he them. No gender identity problems with God. I'm sorry, but he does not have a gender identity problem. He created us male, he, and female, a few of you out there. And there is no other way of looking at it. I'm sorry. It just doesn't happen. You look at the world we live in, and what do they want to do? They want to muddle what God has created. It is so, <laughs> so profound that they, they want to destroy that which God has created. <clears throat> in, um, and the one I'm going to focus on today because I think it's one of the most beautiful sermons, uh, uh, sermon, uh, psalms, and that's Psalm 139. David wrote this, and we know David. Talk about a love for God. Talk about a sinning man, a man that was bloody. God called him that. A man that, that uh, God said was a murderer and a, an adulterer, but that God said that he loved him because of his heart, because he worshiped God, because he loved God. In, ver in one verse, 14, he says, in verse 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows right well. When you really dig into how well, what we are made of and how we're made and how God made uh, the, the creation, the, the DNA, the signature in the cells, the little machines that run around doing the work that we have been, that God programmed to be done. It is so intricate and so, so profound as David said, how he looked at this and 
And I don't know whether he had all of the information. Maybe God gave him some, some things. But he looked at his hands. He looked at, at his eyes and maybe his ears and the different things and all the things that he knew that God had created. And he realized that he was wonderfully made. He didn't say, I come up out of the green slime and I was really good today. He says, I am wonderfully made. And it's a beautiful thing that he has said. I am wonderfully made. Many years ago, a hundred years ago, they didn't understand how complex all of the, the functions of the body and even down into amoebas and microbes and different small, small, small things. So God is a creator of the very smallest electron microscopic size and even smaller than that. There may be things down there. Well, we know there are things down there. We know that when you get to the atoms that run everything, they can't even really see them. They just know they're there and that they're working and they're doing things. When you get to that atomic level, and he has created the atomic level, and it works. We know it works because they flip a bomb and, and split the atom. But in the good side of it, he has given us such a beautiful body and a beautiful um, life. And the animals, all of the animals, all, all of creation works in the same way. Kind after their kind. Male and female. There's, how do you get evolution in any of this? How do you get all of the, 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 the tremendous things? I was thinking about it this morning. How do you get the flowers, the insects, the animals, the humans, the birds, and all of the, and, and all of the varieties of Lucille just sent me a I thought I was going to have that done, but I, I didn't know whether it could be done. <laughs> she sent me this set of pictures of flowers. The, God is the ultimate artist. All you have to do is go out and look at the flowers when they're fully in bloom and fully there before they die. He has made such a beautiful, beautiful world for us to live in, for us to enjoy, and for us to praise God for the, for the beauty that is there. And, of course, David, David understood so many different things, and he loved God, and he, he praised God. In his Psalms, where a, lot of, a lot of it was praising God. But he also understood that God looked at him all the way down, and he understood him. He understood to the, to the depths of David. And in this psalm, I think we can understand what God is doing in each one of our individual lives. If you just think about each one of us having God looking at us like he looks at David, looked at David. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. How about each one of us? If you have come to this way of life, and you've come to the point of being baptized, and God has searched you and known you. 
It's, it is the only way. And you are compelled to come. It seems like there is something that is bringing, and it's a love that's bringing you, isn't it? It is a love that's bringing you into this. He wants you to be in his kingdom. So David says, you have searched me and known me. You know my down sitting and my uprising. You understand my thought afar off. None of us may know each other's thoughts, but there's someone in heaven that knows our thoughts. And it's God and Jesus Christ, both of them, know our being and know our thoughts. You compass my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it all together. So when we uh, are out there in the road, <laughs> that guy cuts us off. Remember, God just heard you. <laughs> I always think about that. I better not say that. But he, and my thought probably also went up there, but I, I better not say that because that's not right. You have beset me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. And I think that is really true. Because when we come to the point where we are ready to be baptized, and we know especially the things that we understand, keeping what this day, the Sabbath? What? You keep those holy days, those Jewish days? That's because God has taught us. He's laid his hand upon us. He's directed us. He's opened this word to us. He's given us a deeper understanding of it than, than others. I mean, I can't, there's, there's no way that we can say anything about others that maybe God is leading and working with and, and that. But when it comes to our own personal responsibility to God and our own personal relationship to God, realize that he knows everything about us. He knows everything about us. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? That's some deep thinking, brother. That's, that's a thought. He sat down and he thought, now where am I going to go to get away from God? Where, where am I going to go? He says, if I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you know where I'm at. I'm there. You are there. <laughs> Let's say I take up wings and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there, your, your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. That is not only somewhat disconcerting, but it's also comforting, isn't it? Doesn't that strengthen your faith to know that God is with you? No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing. And yes, the Bible says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that if you, don't, if you say that you're not a sinner, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. But if you go to God and you're, you ask forgiveness, so we know those things. And we know that God doesn't leave us, that God is with us. Just as David said, 
we know his, his sinful life. We know what his sinful life was like. We've read it before. We've even talked about it. We know how David sinned. And yet David was a man after God's own heart because he loved God. He praised God. He wrote songs about God. He wrote songs praising God. And so consequently, God had him put his psalms, his songs, in writing for us. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall light about me. Yea, the darkness hides not from you. You, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Remember when Christ came to this earth, he said, I am the light. I am the light. And men hate the light. They want the darkness. With the light, things are revealed, aren't they? And so David understood that. And when somebody pointed out that he had sinned, he repented. <laughs> he recognized it so much. And you can read that story about the, the little lamb. But he recognized. When he was told it was you, he recognized it. Yes, I have sinned. He didn't want to admit it, but yes, I have sinned. For you have possessed my reins. You have covered me in my mother's womb. When did God begin to work with each one of us? Do you know? Do you know when he began to work with you? You might think it was the day that you were called. Maybe for each one of us. Maybe he knew the day that we were conceived. And really wanted us in his kingdom wanted us to part of his kingdom and loved us at that particular point because he loves his creation. I will praise you again for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows right well. David was able to, to perceive how the work of God was so profound and so wonderful and so great as it was working in his life. He says, your eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, and your book, and in your book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. The Bible says there's a book of remembrance being written. There is a book of remembrance being written and that we want to be in that book of life. We want to be a part of that book of life, don't we? How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. And how great is the sum of them. When it comes to God thinking about us on an individual basis and loving us on an individual basis and sending his son to die for us, 
And so we take that personally on the Passover, don't we? We take that very personally on the Passover. We come before God, because that's what we're doing, and we accept those emblems that represent the lifeblood and the life body of Jesus Christ. Because he loved us so much that he wanted us to, to be in his kingdom. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them to the point that he loved us so much that he sacrificed his only begotten son that through him we might have life, eternal life. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand, and when I awake, I'm still with you. You know, here's the thing with, with us. I know we fear death, and I know we, and it's a natural thing. But if we tonight were to go in and go to bed and go to sleep and not wake up, we, the preacher is going to get up, whoever it is, and they're going to say, he has a place in the kingdom of God. I've preached that before from those who have been faithful to this way. He or she has a place in the kingdom of God. Those are true words, brethren, true words. I'm going to stop right there at verse 18. I'm going to say, how, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand, and when I awake, I am with you still. I'm still with you. So let's, let's talk about something else. Paul's words about the mind. The most profound thing is that we can reason and think and uh, design and build and put together things as a as human beings, the mind is so profoundly wonderful. And who created it? Oh, well, we came out of that pool of slime down there. What? Slime? With a mind like we've got? You've got to be insane. Because that's what I think they are. I hope I don't get in trouble for that one, but that's what I think they are is insane for not seeing the, the creative power of God in the mind. In the mind. In, in 1 Corinthians, the, the second chapter, it is so beautiful. I think this is one of the, the most profound scriptures along with all the rest of the Bible. <laughs> I can't take any of them out, but... I love to quote this because I'm so excited about what Paul had written. God had given him such insight into our own being, our own minds, our own thinking, our own ways of looking at things, our, own, our wisdom. And when you read these words, you're, you're open. I mean, some people are just totally confused about what is, is written in this book. And it opens your mind when you read. And let's begin in verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That is, the most, that is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, along with all the rest of them that are in there that are powerful. But listen to that. Your, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, 
because they're going to get you completely and totally confused, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among them that are mature, perfect, because that's what we are. We're growing in maturity. Our goal is the, the, the stature and fullness of Jesus Christ. And that's a tremendous goal to shoot for, the stature and fullness of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Yet not the wisdom of this world. When we start dabbling in the wisdom of this world, we start getting off track, brethren. When you start moving away from the words that are in this Bible and you start looking at the wisdom of this world and the things that they teach, you can get so profoundly confused and, and disoriented and you can think almost anything that comes to nothing. Oh, let's see. The wisdom of the world, nor of the princes of this world that comes to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world to our glory. To our glory. Because we're going to shine in the kingdom of God. We're going to be glorious and beautiful in the kingdom of God. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they really realized who he was and what he was, they would not have crucified him. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And that's you and I. When we begin to study this word, and he, he gives us the spirit and opens this word up, and we begin to look at it, and we begin to see things, and we take the science out there that is true science that really agrees with the Bible, our minds are open. We can see what God has created and the things that he has created, but not believing without checking. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. That's what we're, what we're moving towards. We're moving towards Pentecost, aren't we? We're moving towards that day when that spirit will be given. And we look forward to that day when all the men's minds will be opened and not locked up with the evolutionary thinking, satanic thinking. Atheistic thinking. Other religious thinkings. But with a day when their mind will be opened and they see the truth of God. And they see the reality that God has, has, has given to his people. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Okay. This is one of the most profound things because they, there's been so many studies. Why do we even understand anything? Why, do we, why aren't we like the animals? Why aren't we like the chimpanzees that have to, you know, they've been trying for years and years to get them to type out something on the typewriters or you know do this or do that and of course they have these movies where they're they have the intelligent apes <laughs> oh and they're taking over the world by the way if you haven't watched any of those they've already taken over the world but God gave us who are in his image the spirit of man so that we could think 
and we could reason and we could look at the heavens and we could see the glory of God and we could read and we could comprehend and we could create and sometimes we might even be able to understand a little bit about the unseen things especially after we put our fingers in the light socket <laughs> we know that we know not to do that and we put these little things on all of the light sockets don't we for the kids don't put your fingers in the light sockets because we don't want them to get shocked even so the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God because God has given us the spirit of man and we now get the special thing called the Spirit of God now we have received not the spirit of the world, so there is a spirit of the world, there's a spirit of man, there's a spirit of God. But the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Paul's writings are so unbelievably profound and they open up to us some things that I think to the world is probably not very well understood. Because they see the intelligence of man, but they don't realize who gave that intelligence to man. A higher power, a higher being has given that spirit of man so that we can understand. Because we are in the image of God. And he blessed us, not as an animal, but he blessed us as like him. And that's where we're moving towards, isn't it? That's our goal, the kingdom of God. To be like Jesus. To be in that kingdom. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. Because man's wisdom uh, uh, takes it from Greek philosophy. All kinds of different places that is not biblically oriented, and we understand that, but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Oranges and oranges, apples and apples, not difference, but the spiritual things that we can understand. We come to those understanding by reading, by praying, by fasting, by meditating on his word, by doing those things that we know to do to, be, to get closer to God, to know that God is with us, to really appreciate the love that God has for us. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, but for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is, a, that is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And this, this is so beautiful that, that we have now the mind of Christ. We have that mind that can understand the spiritual things. We can open this book and we can understand the spiritual things. And through that, through this book, and through the things that we're taught and and things that are preached, we are strengthened in our faith, aren't we? These things strengthen our faith. Strange that just meditating, reading, praying, and all of the things that we get with the Spirit of God in us 
we are strengthened spiritually. Our faith is strengthened. Our determination is strengthened. And we look forward as brethren to the day that we're in the kingdom with God the Father and Jesus Christ.